0: Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our Gospel reading for this third Sunday of Lent is taken from the second chapter of John's Gospel. It's the story of the cleansing of the temple one of the most remarkable in the gospel because jesus seems to be acting so out of character in fact this reading is cutting i think right to the heart of the gospel message let me read to you now a little bit from this passage as the jewish passover was near jesus went up to jerusalem in the temple precincts he came upon people engaged in selling oxen sheep and doves and others seated changing coins He made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple area, sheep and oxen alike, and knocked over the money changers' tables, spilling their coins. He told those who were selling doves, Get them out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. To understand the meaning and power of this event, we have to understand what the temple meant. To the jews of jesus time it meant in a word everything we tend to separate out the religious from the economic from the political from the cultural ancient peoples did not if you went in the forum in ancient rome for example well the forum was filled with religious places we call them but also social political cultural institutions and they were all mixed together they all were of a piece The same with the Areopagus in Athens. The political, the social, the cultural, the religious were all of a piece. Same was true for the ancient Jews. The temple was, yes, the religious center of the nation, but more than that, in our terms, it would be the political, cultural, economic center of the nation. It was the place where God dwelled, and from which the nation was ordered and governed. It was, in a word, a massively important place, the temple in Jerusalem. To get some sense of it for us, you'd have to imagine perhaps a combination of the Capitol building in Washington, maybe the Lincoln Center in New York, and what? The United Nations or the National Cathedral. Broaden the frame of reference a bit, some combination of the Vatican and the Sorbonne and the United Nations, something that brought together all these interests, all these preoccupations. That was the temple. In fact, isn't it interesting that to this day, the Wailing Wall, you know, the remnant of this ancient temple, is still such a charged place. Now imagine, first century in Jesus' time, this temple in its full glory, reigning at the center of Jewish society. And into it comes this provincial prophet, this prophet from Nazareth. How often, by the way, in the Gospels, the fact that Jesus is from Nazareth is mentioned. That means he's a little podunk town. He's an outsider. He's a nobody. And he comes into the temple. What does he do? Fall down and, and, and pray? No, he makes a ruckus shouting, turning things over, expelling people, making a whip of cords. Can you imagine the drama of that scene? And it's not taking place in some little out-of-the-way building. It's taking place in the central, symbolic locale of the whole nation. Imagine someone storming into St. Peter's in the Vatican, shouting, making a ruckus, turning things over and knocking down the statue well he'd be hustled off by the police he'd be written up as a sort of madman this is precisely by the way what happened to jesus the historians agree that though he'd been stirring things up in all kinds of ways this was the act above all that sealed his fate as he attacked this central symbol of the nation. You know, it gets even worse as people stop him and say, why are you doing these things? What sign can you give us? What does Jesus say? I will destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Provincial prophet, having created this enormous ruckus in the temple, now dares to say. I will destroy this temple. This is what the enemies of Israel did in the Old Testament. They destroyed the temple. This is what the worst enemies of Israel would do, is they would come in and they would wreck, they would destroy this central place. And now this prophet dares to say, I will knock it down and rebuild it in three days. You can see why. You can see why his enemies gathered around him after this event. Friends, what does it mean? And why does the church ask us to meditate upon this? Let me say two basic things. First of all, this action of Jesus shows us who he is. How often in the gospel is the question, who is he? Who does he think he is? Who is this who does thus and so? How often that question comes up? When Jesus sees the paralytic and he says, My son, your sins are forgiven you. And they say, well, who is this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus says, you've heard it said thus and so, but I say to you, well, he's quoting the Torah. You've heard it said in the Torah. The Torah is not just any old book. The Torah is the word of God. And so when Jesus says, well, you've heard it said there, but I say to you, he's claiming an authority, yes, even greater than that of the Torah. Well, this one is not like the others. He speaks with a shocking authority. Jesus rebukes the wind and waves, and they obey him. And they say, who is this that the wind and waves obey so here this prophet comes into the temple that's god's dwelling place and he exhibits a shocking authority over it cleansing it and yes even threatening to destroy it and rebuild it friends who has that kind of authority but god alone jesus here is announcing and more to the point demonstrating who he is This is the one who acts in the very person of God. This story identifies Jesus for us. Who is this? Well, this is the one acting in the very person of God. We know who he is. Secondly, Jesus is instituting here a new temple. I will destroy this old temple. I will destroy this temple, which has become corrupt, become a place of sin, a den of thieves, and I will replace it with a new one. And how powerful the language is. In three days, I will raise it up. What's he talking about? But the temple of his own body. The temple in Jerusalem, that was seen, yes, as God's dwelling place. What's Jesus saying? I, I am God's dwelling place among you. I am the new temple. My body is now the sacred dwelling place of God. Through His death and resurrection. Jesus becomes the mystical body. Jesus becomes the one in whom God dwells, and in the measure that we are grafted onto him, we become participants in this presence can jesus say to us you are temples of the holy spirit yes because as baptized people we are grafted onto his body which is the new temple and so we become ourselves temples of the holy spirit jesus announces here with this great event a kind of judgment on all corrupt forms of religiosity and he is declaring and creating this new temple Of his body the temple of the church now does this mean that the church as we know it is beyond all criticism no in our theology of the church we must always attend to the divine dimension of the church and that's on display here the mystical body of Jesus the dwelling place of God that in which we participate onto which we are grafted through baptism there is the divine dimension of the church which remains immaculate flawless but the church is at the same time a human institution the church is at the same time therefore always tainted by the sins of human beings there's a great principle ecclesia semper reformanda the church must always be reformed yes in its human dimension in its divine dimension it is the new temple but in its human dimension the church must always be reformed which is why this same lord jesus christ in a certain sense moves still through the temple of the institutional church Driving out what is corrupt in it. Shouting God's judgment on that which needs to be criticized. Turning over the tables, yes. Especially in light of the recent scandals in the church, we are well aware of the fact that we are in need of constant reformation. And that the same Lord Jesus Christ makes his moves through the church cleansing, overturning, purifying. Let's make it a bit more personal, especially during this season of Lent. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Yes, through baptism, grafted onto Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Jesus says, this temple is meant to be a house of prayer. That means a place where God is alive, God dwells, God is active. Is the temple of your body a place where God dwells? Is the temple of your person a place of holiness, of prayer? Or has your temple, my temple, the temple of my body, become a den of thieves. What forces, influences, tendencies, attitudes, styles have found their way into this temple? I mean, greed, pride, envy, anger, lust, gluttony, all the deadly sins. What's found its way into this temple? It's meant to be a house of prayer. And therefore, to what degree is Jesus cleansing you this lent as he walks into your heart and he looks around what does he see what tables is he overturning what thieves is he are expelling from your soul let the Lord Jesus in a certain sense invade you this lent let him do the cleansing perhaps that needs to be done because you are meant to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. May it be a place of prayer and purity. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Word on Fire is brought to you in part by Catholic Cemeteries. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.